Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by Nate Weitzer. He's on the East Coast. And we've got a little Tuesday slate here for everyone, Nate. Only three games on the docket for us to chat about, make some picks from. We're coming off of a Monday that was just unfair, man. The injury report was so cruel to us. We had the Pelicans to cover minus three against the Warriors. And then Brandon Ingram for the Pels is ruled out like an hour before tip. Then we had the same exact thing happen to Nate in his Miami pick of plus five, which they almost sneakily backdoored the plus five. You could have gotten it at plus eight as well uh, by the time you were watching this video. So if you did hit the plus eight, at least you got the push there. Um, But it was interesting that Bam Adebayo is ruled out right before tip as well for the Heat, which is a pretty important player for them to be able to cover against that Milwaukee team. And they did not; they were not able to do that as a result. So we took some L's uh, basically on the injury report. So, But we'll, uh, we'll kind of stay on top of that stuff. I am on Twitter pretty much up until tip, trying to keep ahead of those things with you guys. So definitely give us both a follow there uh, to stick along and stay on top of these crazy NBA injury reports. But let's go ahead and jump right into this slate here. I do want to remind you guys to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along. We've got best bets coming up. Up right now for you and then we've also got a play a props video for you that we're bringing you each and every weekday head to the lines.com use that odds finder tool get the best odds available to you from all these books nate let's run into your first tuesday night pick and turn things around here from a, a weird monday yeah the big story today is james harden heading to the clippers uh which means several players going out i wish have yep um and i think there's a slight chance that harden and pj tucker could actually be cleared to play tonight but if they're not, I mean, the Clippers are going to be an absolute skeleton crew here. Um, Batum, Marcus Morris, Covington, K.J. Martin are gone. Terrence Mann is ruled out. Norman Powell and, and Zubac are questionable. I think Zubac, at least, is definitely going to play. But that leaves me targeting some of their guys who are going to be active in a same-game parlay here. Paul George, 20 points, two threes. Westbrook, at least six rebounds. And then Franz Wagner on the other side to get at least 15 points gets you plus 230. Um, and those are pretty conservative picks. Franz, you already know, is the most efficient scorer for the Magic. His prop is 19 points tonight. He's averaged 19 in his career against the Clips with a 21% usage rate. But this year, he's been given the keys a little more. He's He's got a 26.5% usage rate. So 15 is very conservative for him. Uh, Paul George... Been kind of, um, you know, the Clippers have more defined roles here in their first three games where PG and Kawhi are just the scorers because they're playing alongside three guys in, in Westbrook, Zubach, and Covington who just are not offensive threats at times. They, they, I mean, they're very one-dimensional offensive players. So, I mean, they've been able to hoist a little bit more. PG averaging 27 points on 39% from three. Um, he's gotten these two threes every every time against Orlando his last few he, he shoots much better from three at home last year, 39.5%. He's shooting 39% so far from three this season. So another conservative one there. And then Westbrook should be playing like 36 minutes tonight. And, and per 36, he averages eight and a half boards this year. Um, you know, last season he was scoring a little bit more and not contributing as much with the peripherals after he got traded to the Clips. This season, you know, the, probably some discussions behind closed doors to like do do what you do well for us, which is – fill in those other gaps, like rebound, assist, push the pace. We don't need to worry about your scoring as much. Uh, So he's averaging seven and a half boards this year um, in in that role. 
I would say you could sprinkle a little bit on the triple double for Westbrook if if Harden's not going to play, in, in in you know we're looking at thirty six minutes for Westy. It's not totally out of out of hand here. It's plus eighteen hundred for Westbrook to get that. I'm going to hit that. Uh, I think with everything that, that I'm realizing, what you're talking about here, man, I mean, it's tough. I, I'm on the West Coast out here, as I tell you, every beginning of every show. And like waking up at, you know, I woke up at like 5.45 a.m. to like get a head start on the day. Yet the day had already begun at like 2 a.m. Eastern time when when the trade officially went down with James Harden and just sort of rustled up everything that I would be looking at here for this game. I was looking at some early leans yesterday on my personal uh, channel for Land Your Bets, and I was looking at that Clippers and, and Spurs game before obviously any of that information came out. And I was already like, I mean, even, or I'm sorry, Clippers and, and Magic. And I was already like, even on the, the heels of a back-to-back for the Magic where they did lose by three to the, to the Lakers in the same arena that they're going to play tonight, by the way. Um, you know, there was still like a plus seven and a half still felt good for the magic who cover as underdogs all the time. And the clips just don't, I I do think the Clippers have a turnaround in them to a degree from what we've seen. I mean, it's a weird time and, and with, with Harden coming over and whether or not he'll even play in this first game, if he could be cleared, not expected necessarily, but if it's a possibility, you you never know either way, like with all that, you know, sort of rustling things up, I still think the Clippers are going to be trying pretty hard. I mean, what does James Harden do when he comes to a new team? He tries really hard for a little bit until things kind of disintegrate around him, probably by the time you get to the playoffs and you need multiple big games from him. But at any rate, in regular season right now, I, I, I'm telling essentially what you were saying. I didn't see that in, in our notes together that you had already taken Paul George 20 plus because he could he could go for 25 and it's 24 and a half as his prop. But I do like the, the idea of combining him with the, the Clippers to win this game. Now, I'm a little bit more nervous now knowing, you know, exactly who not knowing exactly who's going to be playing for them than I might have been to take their money line beforehand. Um, but I still think with both those guys playing with Kawhi and him ruled in and Westy, I mean, all three of those props between those guys, like, yeah, I'm down for a Westbrook triple double. This is prime Westbrook eat time, even though you still have those two stars out there. I think he's great for the assist tonight as well, considering that he's going to basically just have those two guys on his hip and able to just dish them after he's able to blow by a couple guys uh, on, on the magic there where look, they're a great defensive team. These are two of the best defensive teams in the league. It's not like points should be galore tonight. I don't know that the magic have the desire or even the personnel necessarily to run the Clippers out of the gym and take advantage of, of their, their light bench, if you will, but they also have the rest advantage do the clips. So I think that kind of evens things out. I think the money line bet combined with Paul George at minus 140 is still a good bet. Um, PG in terms of scoring the 20, look, I mean, the usage is just going to, it's 20% on the year for him. It's going to be closer to 30 tonight between he, Kawhi and, and Russell Westbrook kind of splitting that 30%, I would imagine, and leaving maybe like 15% of the shots for a few other guys here and there. But if they're really going after this game, which it seems like they are in the early going, really trying, like really putting their guys out there, making clear a couple days in advance, like, Hey, our guys are playing in two nights, which is something that's weird. You usually don't have to say, Hey, they're playing. It's just like, okay, we just assume they are if they're not on the injury report, but they need to make clear like these guys are playing. And that, that to me is a statement of like, we're trying. Yeah. I mean, extra rest for the Clippers too, because they, they only had to play like 25 minutes when they waxed the Spurs in their last game. I would get Kawhi involved too, in any of these SGPs, if you guys want. Yeah. 20 plus points is a nice conservative one for him. Um, also he's been shooting a lot more threes lately because of those defined roles I've been talking about and the magic. Yeah. While they're number one defensive rating in a very small sample here, 
I mean, two of those games against Houston and Portland. And and then the Lakers on a back-to-back after overtime. Last year, on back-to-backs, they gave up 119 points per game. They went 1-12. in And they were overall last year 28th in, in three-point attempts. They're kind of a packet-in defense. You know, they have more guards yeah. out there this year. But, yeah, Kawhi and PG should both be doing damage from the perimeter is basically the take in that game. Now let's get to yeah. the other game. Where- I, should, I should I should have mentioned too real quick. I just wanted to throw it in there. Uh, the twelve and six straight up last year with the rest advantage were the Clips with these two guys. Since they've both been on the squad, they're uh, five and one with the rest advantage. Like it, it it is a big deal to this team especially. So I I just wanted to throw that yeah, out there and as it's well. it's a big deal that they're you know kind of bucking that trend that they've been the the poster child of of resting guys for for you know quote no reason. Um, and early on they are they're yeah. they're going for it. Um, let's look at the other game we're looking at here is Knicks and Cavs playoff rematch. I want to tease this to Cavs plus seven and a half. I don't think they get blown out at home. Donnie Mitchell should be back after missing one game on Saturday. And I think he keeps it competitive. Um, I am going to tease it to the over. It's a two ten, which is scary with these teams because when they, I mean, what we just saw in the playoffs is five games go so crazily under like that the modern NBA, it just breaks my brain to see those totals in the modern NBA. They were like 170 typically in the regular season. Um, I mean, when they met last year, four times, they averaged 214. So teasing it down to 210 here with the Cavs plus seven is, is reasonable. And I think the Cavs did some things to exploit the Knicks um, defense this time around, right? Mainly getting Max Struess in there, George Nyang off the bench. Karis LeVert is going to be cooking after he he took on the main role on Saturday with Donnie out. And Donnie, I mean, in the regular season against these Knicks, 32 points per game on a 122 offensive rating. Also worth noting, I mean, Garland and Jared Allen still out for the Cavs. Right. And that point guard defense for the Cavs has been abysmal without Garland. So they're giving up actually the most FanDuel points per game to point guards so far on the season, which is surprising to me because they were supposedly an elite defense last year. Jalen Brunson should eat. The last time these teams met in the regular season, Brunson had 48 and Donnie had 42. So game total 246. Um, I I think as long as both those guys are cooking and putting enough pressure on the opposing defense, 210, this is still the modern NBA in the regular season. I will will emphasize that again. Like I don't think that they'll be as, as slow of a pace and as much of physical buckle down defense as we saw in the playoffs between these two teams. I think it'll be a little bit, more freewheeling. Um, and, you know, last year, the trend, the Knicks started going over on the road down the stretch. 13 of their last 14 roadies were over. Uh, they went 27 and 18 when favored to the over. And Cleveland only a home dog twice last year, all last season. They were 2 0 to the over there. So I, I think this is a spot to, to tease it in that direction. Yeah, I mean, they, they went over in Cleveland last year that was sort of the the tale of the of the matchup when they played twice in new york went under when they played twice in cleveland they went over (laughs) and there's also something to the fact that without jared allen and with evan mobley as more of your five you are a little bit more versatile to go up and down the court evan Evan mobley a little bit more fleet of foot than jared allen who still moves well for a big guy but not not as well as as uh you know evan mobley obviously 
And so I, I think there's some opportunity too with Max Struess being able to sort of guard guys a little bit bigger than him for them to kind of play faster. And and I would expect that a little bit. And I would I would lean over before I'd go under in this specific example. It could be nothing. It could be completely coincidence that they went over in Cleveland and, and under in New York. It might have nothing to do with it. But I think more importantly, with with a couple guys out for this team, I think you do just kind of push the pace for the Cavs a little bit. Uh, and for the Knicks, like, yeah, they've been a pretty good defensive team so far this year, but they've had to buckle down because they've been missing shots as well in the couple games that they weren't able, uh, well, the, the other than the Celtics game, um, you know, they, they've been they've been shooting pretty poorly as well. So there, there's going to be some ways to play that one. I'm going to kind of follow along, though. I do think they win this game without Garland and Allen in there for the, for the Cavs. I do think they're in a good position to know that Donnie Mitchell might go for 30, and that's where his props are at so like if you want some Donnie Mitchell action you're going to be getting some really high numbers uh in this one with him expected to do the bulk of the scoring either way like I think that the Knicks are, are going to be outmatching them at a number of positions including Julius Randle who should be pretty good to go if you're going to be putting Evan Mobley on him for the majority of the game and if you don't now you've got a pretty big issue with Mitchell Robinson outsizing even Okongu who you could put in there for him so I, they're going to be they're going to own the front court in my opinion in this one um and and furthermore like I, I've seen a lot of things that I actually like from Randall, even though everyone's like, is he kind of duty right now? The assist numbers are up for him. The potential assists are up for him. The The ball movement has actually been less stagnant than last year, which is something that I appreciate because I don't love the your turn, my turn stuff. They've incorporated like Quentin Grimes will see the ball on a possession just for the sake of passing it and keeping the energy alive on offense, um, which is something that I like a lot more. You got a few more assists coming from the Knicks offense this year than you saw last year. Obviously, small sample size. Don't want to make too much of it. And we'll say that for at least another couple, three weeks before we stop saying that we don't have enough of a sample size to believe in a team, uh, what they've shown us so far. But I, I think as far as the, the Knicks game goes, like, yeah, there's just not enough. They, they have to a degree owned this team, right? Like six and two, or I'm sorry, seven and two last season, including the playoffs there uh, and winning th uh, three of those games in, in Cleveland as well. So I, I still think they're good on the road for a dub here with, with good rest. Um, and, and yeah, even the, the Cavs are a little bit banged up is helpful there. Phoenix uh, money line on this one. Like I really liked what I saw, at least I, I saw parts of it and then definitely checked out most of the stats for their, their game, the Suns against the jazz, which is really interesting. And I don't know if there's something going on with the jazz, but the defense that they played on the perimeter was what is really, I think, uplifting for the Suns as you move forward with them, like their ability to stop guys on the perimeter is going to be huge. Not something they necessarily had as much of after they got rid of Mikhail Bridges last year was wing defense. We saw that drop a lot. Okogi back in there doing an incredible job uh, guarding the basically the, bet, the other team's best team. Uh, in this one, I imagine he'll be on Devin Vassell for most of the game doing work over there as that clearly sort of the, the igniter of their offense, in my opinion. Interestingly, Keldon Johnson does a really good job on KD, at least if you look at their matchups in the last two games. like He's actually limited KD a lot more than you can say anybody else in the league in a one-on-one -on -one matchup has been able to do. Now you throw Wemby in there, it's a nice second defender so like there is something to that idea but I expect you know KD to be playing a lot of point guard if they want to put Wemby on KD which is an interesting thought it might have to be I don't know Zach Collins Zach Collins probably got to deal with someone's got to deal with Nurk who, who, I don't know what they're going to do, honestly, because I'm looking at their lineup and I'm like I guess Keldon Johnson probably remains on KD I guess you have Wemby as like 
went on on that like when Tony Allen would be was on the Grizzlies and the opposing team center would just sort of guard him because he was standing in the corner. Maybe that's the Wemby defense. He's just guarding like Okogi in the corner or something to that effect. I'm not really sure how Pop will play that yet. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see. But I think KD is still going to be able to be, play more point guard in this game, set a few other guys up, and and sort of play the style of ball that they played in Phoenix, which is a little bit sl- against Utah rather, which is a little bit slower. Take fewer shots. Take really good shots and and use KD to get what you want on the floor. I think they'll be able to do that against the Spurs defense that their only identity is really like run and gun and hope that Wemby's like hitting and that Vassell is hitting. And I still don't see much flow in their offense, uh, despite all the pace that they're playing, that offensive rating still is pretty duty. Yeah, the Spurs number one goal this year is clearly just to get, you know, Wemby and some of these young guys like Vassell, just more experience, um, just get get into some some close games and, and see what happens. They were not able to do that the last time out. Uh, but yeah, most intrigued to just see, yeah, Wemby in that Rover role that you talked about, maybe he guards a Koji and then just is trying to block Durant's shot all over the place. That that could be the one concern for the Suns is, you know, we these are like two unicorns we've never really seen match up on each other. And like, can Durant's unblockable shot be blocked by, by somebody coming over and help? Uh, that'll be interesting to oh see. My but God. even if Durant doesn't get his prop of 31 points, I think the Suns can win this game. I think they they just have more depth overall. The Spurs are just not not a good team. That's that's exactly, that's, that's exactly my point. There's some really nice veteran depth, especially for Phoenix, uh, that's going to be able to come in, and it's sneaky, sneaky good depth for this team, which is what we've been talking about since before the season started. That we weren't really worried about them during the regular season because of the fact that they had increased that that level of depth so much to like adequate, solid NBA players all across the board. And and yeah, I think we're both on the same page that KD is going to be facilitating a lot in this one. Uh, it'll be fun to watch. If KD gets blocked by Wemby on a jump shot, the internet will break in half, uh, and I am going to be here for it. So, Nate, let's go ahead and run into your first NBA play a prop on this little three-game slate here. Yeah, I'm going to go with Devin Vassell, 17.5 points, and it's plus 100 at FanDuel. I'm fine putting just over a unit on this. I think it's kind of a little lower than it should be because the Spurs were blown out. Their last game, so Vassell still 14 points in 28 minutes with his best offensive rating of the year against that Clippers defense, which I, I think I have more respect for than the Suns. I mean, Josh Okoji should be the one guarding Vassell here, um, and he's you know he's he's I right in terms of an individual defender, but I mean with Booker and Beal still doubtful or out. I mean Booker honestly just more of a competitive like low to the ground, low center of gravity like nagging defender I think for a guy like Vassell I think he has a quickness advantage on a Koji I think he'll be getting his his buckets in the first two to open the season he was 24 points per game on a elevated usage rate 22 and a half percent to open this so you know per 36 it's the same as last year he's getting nearly 22 points per game and that's what he was doing last year but this year he's been more efficient like a 119 offensive rating versus 110 and that's despite only shooting 31 percent from three I think he can get hot here um, at Phoenix in a, in a game that the the Spurs are going to be elevated in terms of trying to match, you know, Kevin Durant and company and, um, you know, stay competitive. And I, I think he's unquestioned the top offensive weapon for them right now as Wemby still is trying to find his footing uh, offensively in the NBA. Yeah, no question. Uh, I mean, even last year, when when he was on the floor, you saw spurts of it as like the go-to scorer 
for this team. And he'll continue to be that. He's like a super pure two guard, just exactly what you want. He definitely has enough handles to play out there. Definitely isn't like, you know, all world Kyrie Irving level uh, dribbling skills, but the, the shooting is, is wild. Like he doesn't care where he is right now. He's pulling up. He's, he's rising up pretty high on that jump shot as well. So I, I do agree. He's a little bit quicker than Okogi. Who's pretty quick himself. Obviously athleticism goes to Okogi. We'll see who he even guards. Honestly, Okogi can guard anybody in this one, but it, it'll probably be Vassell for the majority of the game. It'll be a fun matchup. And I think they will be looking for Vassell to get his shot and, and play off of that anyway, which is usually the number one option for them. You mentioned the 14 points uh, that he got in that blowout 40 point loss to the clips. And that was actually le led the team. So you still know he's going to be the, the victim of that sometimes this year, but I hit him for most improved player of the year after watching his first game against Dallas, where I was like, my word, like the confidence of Devin Vassell has risen. And I think the Spurs knew that as well last year when they just, they kept him on the team, then they paid him, but they didn't even play him last year. They sat him all the time and then paid him in the off season, meaning they know what we all ha haven't been able to watch yet, which is like, this guy's going to be a very good scorer in the NBA. So I'm with that pick. I'm going to move on to my first pick, which is a guy who let me down a little bit in the other game against the Hawks, Julius Randle. I took his points and rebounds over did not take the assists, and I probably should have because then that would have hit. He had nine of them in that game, a near triple-double. In this one, I'm just going for the rebounds and assists, and it's at 12.5, and, and I'm, I'm eating the juice. I'm just taking it at minus 140 on BetMGM and putting 1.2 units on it in this one. Um, I, I think if you want, you can get uh, over 13.5, by the way, and you get much better juice, minus 104 on FanDuel if you want that. Wouldn't tell you not to. We, I had a, a rough night in best bets last night in a way that I'm like, let me just play this one a little bit safe, even though I was fine on the props. This one, did, the, the, the best bets ate me up a little bit. So I'm keeping it conservative, but putting 1.2 units on it. Like I said, he's gone over the 12 and a half rebounds and assists every game so far this season. He's averaging 18.3 rebounds and assists so far. Um, and his potential assists are way up too. And that's what I started looking at when he kind of ate me alive by getting the nine assists and not enough points in that game. He's he's deferring a good amount. I think there's something to the idea that that um, guys like Quickly and Jalen Brunson are playing off of Randall, who seems more willing to pass it when he's driving than he otherwise was last year, um, because he's got like I said, twelve. Uh, a t potential assists per game, which is leading to roughly six assists per game for him uh, total. So the guys are making a good amount of uh, open shots off of his passes. Jalen Brunson's on pace to shoot more three-point attempts per game than any season of his career so far. I mean, I don't know if that's going to hold It's three games, like I said, but I think there is actually something to the idea that the, the usage for other guys around Jay Randall has risen, including Jalen Brunson specifically from the three-point line, where he's not always been a three-point shooter. Like Jalen Brunson's a really good inside the arc player despite his his small size really shifty and good at getting to the rim but that three-point shooting has improved and is something that he's clearly uh putting a bit more emphasis on so i think that the assist will continue to be there for jay randall like i think he's good for nine boards tonight i mean his his rebounds are at like eight and a half his assists are at about three and a half obviously i i get that's how we get to this number here of 12 and a half but like both of them are good numbers to me, and I think it, it, the assists you can even get up to like f a five assist game is very reasonable for him. That's what he averages uh, in this series against uh, the Cavs as well. He went over this in all three meetings. He averaged five assists per game in the three regular season games and ten boards per game in, in those games as well. So I think he's going to continue to be looking to pass, which is a huge part of why I'll keep getting his assists until he starts chucking up, up shots a lot more. Like he's seems a little bit more into the idea of passing than shooting threes and driving rather than shooting threes, which is why he's playing a little bit closer to the rim and getting those, those dimes. 
Yeah, I'm surprised his number is that low. I guess because the Cavs are <clears throat> a very good defensive team. But, I mean, yeah, Randall's starting to understand that he shouldn't be taking these low-percentage shots that he should be playmaking. And that's why, yeah, even against a team like the Hawks, you saw him rack up the assists and the boards and be more of a of a playmaker uh, rather than necessarily trying to get his points at all costs. So <clears throat> I think it, it it's pretty similar to my pick here. Russell Westbrook over 13.5 rebounds and assists. And it talked about this in the best bets putting him in some same game parlays for the rebounds because he's been more of a rebounder facilitator for the Clippers this season. Um, you know, pretty much did it all for them after being acquired last year. But I think he feels he has less to prove as a scorer after the Lakers disaster. And this year he's averaging 11 points per game through three, but also getting 8.6 rebounds and eight assists per 36 minutes. And I think he's going to play about 36 minutes tonight considering the trade that just went down um, for James Harden, where Batum, Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, KJ Martin are out the door. Terrence Mann is still out with his injury. Norman Powell is questionable tonight. So Westbrook should get all the run he can handle. Um, he's he's produced against Orlando in these in these areas. Uh, nine rebounds, eight and a half assists per game, along with 16 and a half points, along with four and a half turnovers. Classic Westbrook stat line. Uh, in his last four against Orlando, that's three with the Lakers when he was not the same type of high-energy, high-usage player that he is now. So to get this juice uh, at, at pretty much even money for 14 peripherals for him, I think it's fantastic. I mean, Orlando do, does play very good defense this year in a limited sample against bad teams, but they they allowed the fourth most assists to point guards last season. They allowed 119 points per game on back-to-backs. And they allowed a lot of threes. And Westbrook's going to be driving and kicking to PG and Kawhi. We're going to be hitting threes. That's that's the same game parlay we're looking at, basically. Um, so half a unit on on the even money for the peripherals. And then I think you could put a half a unit or quarter units on the double-double or triple-double for Westbrook, which is plus 1,800 for a triple-double, uh, for, for, quote, Mr. Triple-Double, who's going to get maybe you know some of the most consistent minutes he'll get all season right now. I can't imagine that number stays at 18 to one for him to get a triple double like this. this I, that's crazy to me. I, I'm definitely taking that because you're just saying like, do you think he's going to get 10 rebounds and assists? I, I, yeah, I do. I think this is a great bet at nearly even money. I, I'm down to put a full unit on that one as well. Uh, I need to temper myself a little bit here, but I, I'm, I'm really liking the Westbrook stuff to just go balls to the wall. Like you're going to be playing him 35 to 36 to, 38 however many minutes there's not that many guys left for them to play I think they want to make sure they get this win I think the magic can hang around with them and bother them in certain ways they are still a very good defensive team despite having played bad teams in the past so I don't think this turns into a blowout either way I, I would have felt good about taking the clips at like minus six and a half even if they had their full roster in hand but with the fact that you know there's going to be so such few guys playing I think it's going to be closer Westbrook loves the idea of of being one of six seven guys that are going to play for for you know the whole team and getting all those minutes knowing that he's one of the three best players on the team unquestionably on the floor for them with these two guys like such a great Westbrook moment uh that he's going to relish and I'm going to go ahead and try to bank as much money off that as I can but uh I'm going to finish off with another not juicy parlay what's the opposite of juicy dry it's uh it's minus 140 again but it's Wemby to go under six and a half boards and look, he's done this once this season out of three games. That's not even really as much of what I'm worried about. But I've been saying this since I saw Wemby play, which is like, 
if you look at where he's going to be playing on the floor, I don't think it's reasonable to expect him to be like a, an all world rebounder this season. Like it's very easy to push him out of the paint. I understand he can still reach over a lot of guys and, and get uh, the rebound that way, but he's not even really starting down there on offense. Cause that's not where he plays. He's not a back to the basket guy, unless he's in the mid range even. And that's, that's the one spot that he's gotten the ball. And, and you might worry about him being down low. It's on like 15 feet on the baseline, right? Like, but out there still further away from the rim that that's where he is on offense at, at most. And then other than that, it's pick and rolls and really pick and pops as a, a lot out on the perimeter where he's keeping certain big guys away from the rim uh, who are trying to guard him because that's where he has an advantage over them. He doesn't have an advantage over anyone down low. So uh, five boards each versus the Clippers and the um, Mavericks. I understand he didn't play, he played like slightly less than 30 minutes in both those games, but still had decent minutes in those up around 30 um, because of the fact that like, the, you know, the, those the, one of those games was a blowout the, the, and the Dallas game was one where he had foul trouble. So he wasn't able to play as much, but I still don't think he's getting more than the 30 minutes a game that he's the 30 minutes he saw against the Rockets where he got the 12 rebounds against one of, if not the worst rebounding team in the NBA in Houston, which is what they were last year, which is what they are so far this year as well, um, because God bless Sangoon like. Like, he's not banging with with everybody down there that well. And, uh, Jabari Smith still pretty much a rail uh, stick, so like he's not exactly banging down low that hard either. Uh, not a great rebounding team is the point for for Houston. Uh, and so the, the Wemby stats at seven and a half boards this season are completely skewed by the one twelve rebound game, and that's why I think you have it even listed at six and a half, and you get plus money for him to get seven because everybody's like this tall guy get got to get rebounds. Phoenix is the ninth best rebounding team in the league right now. They were last year as well, even before they got Nurk. Um, with Nurk last year, Portland was the 13th best rebounding team, and that was in like a very small sample size. But then when they lost him, they were the fourth worst rebounding team in the league, unsurprisingly, because Jeremy Grant ain't banging down low. Uh, so I think with Nurk in there, you know what you're getting. You're getting a guy who's going to control the center. I've been very impressed with his defense as well, the way that he's moving. I, I know that the Spurs play with a high pace, final point, but like, they actually don't get that many shots up. They turn the ball over a decent amount. Uh, both the, the Suns and the Spurs are in the bottom five in terms of field goal attempts per game. So there's just not even that many opportunities for both these teams to, to get the ball off. I think Phoenix will continue to just be like, we're going to slow you down. We know what you want to do, and we're not going to let your, your young legs tire our uh, majority of the players that are going to be veterans for this team uh, tonight for, for the Suns. So I just think seven rebounds is too many. I'll eat the juice at minus 140 and take the under. Have we really gone so far the other way in terms of hype that we're not trusting Wemby to get seven boards? This is like an NFL bet that he's just like... Just the rebounds. You're just not used to the speed of the game. You're not used to the strength of the NBA game, apparently. Um, you know, stand aside and let Nurkic and Zach Collins handle the paint, young man. Um, and I guess he's just going to be roving around on the perimeter. I, I I personally would not take this as an under. I would probably look at the over for turnovers for Victor Wembanyama, uh, because we have a limited sample in terms of his minutes. Yes, he played 26 minutes in his debut, um, you know, trying to keep it down there. And then we just had a blowout in their last game. So it's just such a limited sample in terms of how much he's actually going to play. I think if he plays 30 plus minutes, he's going to back his way into seven rebounds. He's just, it, he's so tall. <laughs> Um, you know, and the Suns are not going to be world beaters on offense with two of their three big guys out, but turnovers, he's got at least four in every game. I'm not sure what the prop is, but I, I think he's good for plenty of turnovers as he learns the NBA game. 
I do want to know what his turnovers are, so I'm going to take a look at it. But like, I would love to put a little bet in there of like, I don't know, maybe how many does he have more? His, his turnovers are at three and a half. They expect some turnovers from Wemby as well. Plus money, plus one fifteen for four turnovers again. Okay, yeah, that's some pretty good juice for 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 four more turnovers. I think you're fair on that one. I will uh, maybe we'll run a little side bet here. If he gets, uh, he's gonna have. I don't know. We'll figure it out, but it's going to be turnovers and rebounds and we'll figure it out from there. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fading the idea because he's tall. He's going to get boards. That's basically what I'm doing. I'm not fading Wemby though. I still love you, Victor Wemanyama, and I'm still supporting you. And I still think you're a phenom that I'm going to be watching every minute of. I just don't think you're going to get seven rebounds tonight. So that's all the time we have for you in this one. We are going to be back each and every weekday. So continue to follow along, like, and subscribe. You got play up props here. Also got our best bets with you guys as well. Up six and a half units on the season through about a week and a day or so now. So continue to follow along with us. And until we see you next, happy betting. <laughs>